guys. Well, good morning. He is risen. He is. Hallelujah. That's right. It's so great. So good to see you here. I'm glad that uh, you're here in church today. Um, we are talking about the resurrection, and we are finishing up Galatians at the same time. How fortuitous of us, for us. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, if you would turn there in your Bibles, I'd appreciate that. Galatians chapter 6. If you didn't bring a Bible, you could certainly grab one out of the pew rack right in front of you and, uh, and use that. Maybe you don't have a Bible and would like to take one home, you can take that with you. That's yours. It's a gift from us to you. I want to make sure everyone has access to God's Word. All right, so in Galatians chapter 6, we'll be beginning in verse 11, going through the end of the, the chapter in a few minutes. Today we're going to be looking at uh, the power of the resurrection and as it pertains to the power inside of us that is a new creation, that God has given us the power to be new, to be, to be he's made all things new. Uh, we, we've, we've been working our way through the theme of Galatians, and the theme in our series has been that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Okay, He is everything. And that we can't add and shouldn't add or dare to add anything to that. That message is pure enough in its own regard that we don't have to add something to Jesus. right? And Paul had been arguing that with the Galatians through this letter. Uh, and he'd been arguing it with the Galatians and against the Judaizers. The Judaizers were the bad guys in the, in the book. The ones that, that are much like you and I. Who, who, yeah, we like the Jesus and we want, to add, we want Jesus, but we're going to add some, some things to that. There's certainly rituals we want to, to perform or things we want to do so we can, we can boast in our own flesh and our own abilities, right? Our own progress that we're making, that we've earned somehow favor with God because of how awesome we are. And Paul said, no, it's, it's purely about Jesus. Salvation is not by works of any form. It is purely by grace, by God's grace alone, right? Through faith alone and in Christ alone. There is no other way. So why is it in Christ alone? And that's, why, that's what we're celebrating today, right? Because only Christ has risen from the dead. No one else has died. No other spiritual guru has died and risen from the dead. Only our Lord, who is God, Jesus in the flesh, right? Uh, he rose from the dead. He's alive today. Um, he, is, he is surely alive. My, one of my daughter's favorite songs, uh, it's on a CD mix we made for her, is, is God's Not Dead. He's surely alive, right? And she loves that song. She dances to that all the time. Um, and, and we need to listen. We need to understand that there's, there's no other name. History, right, culture, textbooks that we've read, there's, there's no other name been given by which we must be saved. There's no other name that can accomplish all that. Jesus says himself that he is the only way. He is the only name. And that at his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is God. Right, that he is Lord. So that that is that is huge, and it, we're going to talk about the warm and fuzzies in a minute. But but when we talk about the depth of that statement, that it's Christ alone, that it's only in Him that we must be saved. That is that is pretty exclusive. And we we mentioned this before. I, I want us to understand. You know, we think that well, that's just that's kind of harsh. That there's only one way. And what we should be saying is, thank God that there is a way. That there is a way to overcome the mess and the wreck that I am and that you are. And it's through Jesus Christ. Thank God there is a way. And then because he lives, not only did he die on a cross, he was crucified in our place. He now lives. He's risen, right? He lives. Uh, we have a uh, risen Savior and, and the power of the cross that we can now live too. Because he rose, we can live. Uh, we, we aren't going to stay dead, right? We are now, we are, we are created in his image. We are, we are created. Our souls are created to be immortal. And he has rescued us from the death and separation that we deserve. And given us newness of life and power in that new creation. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. New things have come. And I hope that you can look today and look into your heart, and most of us are here to worship today because he has made us new, because he rose from the, from the grave. And maybe today you're here with family, and you're checking it out, you're trying to figure out what is, what is this faith thing? It's basically this, you and I are helpless without Jesus, and he did all the work necessary to make a way for you to have life. And that's the power of the message of the gospel. It's the power of the message of the resurrection. Death couldn't even hold him. So we can have life. We can live. And because he defeated death, because he rose from the grave, Romans tells us that same power that raised Jesus from the grave is available to us and it lives in us. It's the power to rip away anything of the old and make all things new again. He makes all things new. So today we're going to look at the power of that new creation that we can have as Paul describes it, and as we, as we learn from the gospel and the power of the resurrection. Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get into Galatians. Father, we, we pause to thank you so much for your amazing grace, the amazing grace that, that put Jesus on the cross for us, the amazing grace that, that once Jesus was off the cross and in the grave, it didn't leave him there, but rose him victoriously on that third day that we might have life through him and in him. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We ask now that as we, we look at your word, that you would convict our heart of sin, you would convince us of truth, you would challenge us and change us, renew us. God, change us from the inside out. Let your spirit do that powerfully amongst us. We want to follow you with all of our heart. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So turn to Galatians chapter 6. We'll be reading verses 11 through 18 together. 11 through 18 together. Paul ends his book by saying this. He says, Look at what large letters I have written to you in my own hand. Or my own handwriting, right? Those who want to make a good showing in the flesh are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves. However, they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. May peace be on all those who follow this standard and mercy also be on the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble because I carry the marks of Jesus on my body. Brothers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit, in your spirit. Amen. So let's break this down. We're going to talk about this new creation, this, this power that we have access to, and, and what it should lead us, what, what marks it we should see in our life because of it. If we're made new and there's power to be made new in the resurrection, what does that then look like? Well, Paul, Paul says it first off right there on the, in the uh, top of the uh, passage in verse 11. He says uh, he doesn't mind ridicule, right? He's like, I'm going to be persecuted, no, no big deal. You want to avoid it. So number one is this, he doesn't mind ridicule. The power of a new creation says that you and I shouldn't mind ridicule. Let's look at the verse. It says, look at what large letters I use as I write to you in my own handwriting. Those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are those who would compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. I want us to understand, I think what Paul is saying is that there is something worth being loud about. There is something worth shouting about. Listen, the power of the resurrection is worth shouting about, Amen. 
It, it, is the, it is the power that we have, the access we have, and that we need to, to be in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's worth staking everything on. Listen, humanity has been given access to the greatest treasure of all time, and that is Christ Jesus himself. But the treasure we have in Christ runs far deeper than we can even imagine. The world doesn't treasure Christ as they should, and sometimes we don't either. The world would say that Christ is a treasure, but it's because he's a good teacher. Right? They treasure him in that way. Oh, yeah, he's a good teacher. Yeah, he, he adds something to my spirituality, right? So, so I, like, he's a, he, I treasure him in that way. He adds something to my spirituality or, or my spiritual essence. It makes, it makes it a deeper spiritual essence. I feel more oneness with, you know, with the treasure that I have in Jesus. And this is a shallow, by the way, a shallow treasuring of, of Jesus. And I would say not even of the real Jesus because you can't treasure something that, that doesn't exist in that way. It, there's a depth to Jesus that we have to embrace fully. We can't just have this fuzzy, shallow grace. Oh, maybe he's a guru, right? He's a guru worth, worth some space in a book. Maybe worth, worth some time in a conversation, but that's about it. You know, after all, we have to admit he left a mark on the world in some way. There's a lot of people that gather and and worship him and talk about him. So, so he's got to be some kind of a treasure. But it's it's like that that little little coin that is on top of the treasure chest. They take it off and look at it. It's shiny, and it's pretty. And that's the extent they treasure Christ. When there's this huge treasure, the depth of treasure that he is for us. Surface level treasure is fuzzy grace. It's fuzzy Jesus. It's warm and fuzzy Jesus. We like Jesus when he's warm and fuzzy. We like Jesus when he tickles the ears. We like Jesus when he doesn't say hard things to us. But when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, then it gets real. Then it gets real. When Jesus says, I have the power over sin and Satan and death, and I have, I have the power of life in my hands, it gets real. And when we understand the depth that he's gone to for us through that cross and through the grave, being forsaken from God, for, from God and then rising again for us, there is a depth of a treasure we have. And that treasure that, that Christ is talking about and that Paul is describing is of the most profound type. Jesus Christ is the only treasure that can make all things new from the inside out. Fuzzy Jesus, warm and fuzzy Jesus, makes us feel good on the outside, doesn't it? But, and, that's, and that warm and fuzzy, it, it kind of fades. But, but that depth Right? It's, think, think about this, and, and this, this shouldn't even compare, but you think about a, a really bitter winter night. Right? You go in and put a blanket on, it's kind of warm and fuzzy, and it kind of keeps you there, and you're, I'm a little warm. But, but even better is to stoke a fire and to get a cup of hot coffee or hot chocolate, right? Because that satisfies you down deep. And that's the kind of satisfaction we have in Christ. It's not this warm and fuzzy little blanket that, that lasts for a little while. It's that depth that lasts forever as a treasure. That's who Jesus is. Only Jesus, only Jesus has the power to rescue us from ourselves. Only Jesus can accomplish what we never could. Only he could do that. The power of the new creation is that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That he is our everything. He conquered Satan, sin, and death through the cross and through his resurrection. And he made a way for us to be right with God and, and be made new through the power of his Holy Spirit. And we can't say that about anybody else, not even ourselves. As much as we would try, as much as we would try to earn our way to God, 
to look the part, we can't do it. And Paul is writing this to us. And as we look at this text, Paul writes to us and he's willing to risk everything on it. You know, when Paul says he takes this pen and he says, he usually had a scribe that would write this out for him. And, you know, you know there's people that can't write very well, right? Like you, you, when you write, how many of you are like, you write something that's illegible, right? Dr. Holst, right? <laughs> Thank you for raising your hand. Yeah. 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 I, I'm that way too, though. When I'm writing fast, sometimes I can't even read my own notes, right? So you want to scribe someone who can do it properly and so this can be translated well. Paul takes the pen and he's like, I am going to write this down. And, and what he's saying is, I'm not afraid to stamp my name on what I am saying because I have staked everything in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter to me what you think of me or what it means or, what, or the implications it has on my life or on my health or on my, on my physical body or on what I tortured or died. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. I am writing in large letters like graffiti so you can see. It's like today's day and age on, on, on Facebook or Instagram, right? We're speaking in all caps. Paul is not afraid to say, this is what I believe and this is who Jesus is. He is everything to me. He's willing to risk everything by doing it. And Paul is the one that can do it. Because Paul was just like these Judaizers, even more so than them. Remember, if you've been here and gone through this text with us, earlier in Galatians, we see Paul's credentials. We see that Paul is this strict Jewish man who understood Judaism and understood how to keep it, and he kept the rituals and the regulations and the ceremonies. He did everything, right? He crossed every T, he dotted every I. He made sure it was all taken care of. He was zealous, religiously zealous, from, I would believe, from the heart of who he was to honor the God that he really didn't know. And then on the way to Damascus, on the way to persecute those who would call themselves Christians, who abandoned this way of Judaism, of, of, of ceremony and ritual, he was on the way to persecute them, arrest them, and maybe have them murdered or tortured. Jesus met him. He said, Paul, why are you, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He had this encounter with Jesus Christ. He met Jesus face to face, and he was forever changed. Now, Paul was an expert at what the law required. Paul was an expert at, at doing the right thing and, and the right timing and, and the right way. He was an expert at that. And everyone that, that's trying to trick the Galatians is, say they're an expert at it too. So he knows. He knows what it's like to live that life. And then he knows what it's like to meet Jesus face to face and had everything that he thought was a gain in his life counted as nothing because Jesus was everything. Jesus met him and said, said, Saul, all of this points to me. All of this is about me. I have fulfilled the law. I am the promise. And I make all things new. And from that moment on, he was a new man. Saul became Paul. And from that moment on, he became an expert in grace, an expert in, in the power of the resurrection, because only Jesus could accomplish in someone like Paul what was accomplished that day, and only Jesus can accomplish in someone like you and me what he can accomplish today. Only Jesus can do that. He was an expert. Paul knew and he was willing to risk everything, so he takes that pen and writes in big, big letters, see, I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not afraid to say it out loud, to write it, to stamp my name on it. This is all about Jesus. And those who are trying to trick you and lead you astray are trying to add something to the gospel to avoid being persecuted for their faith. And I am not afraid of ridicule. I'm not afraid of danger because Jesus has given me life. And no one can rip that away from me. Paul, Paul is passionately saying and re reminding us that the power of the new creation gives us a strength and a boldness to not mind persecution and ridicule that we'll, we will face 
because of Jesus. The text goes on, those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are those who would compel you to be circumcised. They, they want to look the part, they want to, want to you know, fall in line, and that's, that's the, the fear, that's the, that's the trick, that's the lie that we see. Satan, Satan is great at deceiving us to do the right thing, right? He wants us to do the right thing to get in line morally so that we focus on just doing the right thing and not embracing Jesus. And maybe some of you today are here because you've fallen into the line. you crossed every T. you dotted every I. Like, I looked apart. I looked good. I wore my vest today. Look at me. Maybe you've fallen into line. But you have not fallen into Jesus. And he's waiting. He's waiting for you to abandon everything you thought you could earn on your own. He's waiting for you to, to turn to him and believe that only he can give you what you could never accomplish on your own. A righteousness, a perfection that comes through faith in Christ alone. When Jesus rose from the grave, it got real. It got real. When we think about this for the Judaizers, they, they didn't see it. They still tried to add to this Jesus thing. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll bring Jesus. It's warm and fuzzy Jesus, but we're going to do all this ritual still. We're going to do these traditions still because we want to we make sure we look the part. We wanna be, basically, what they're saying is we want to make sure we can boast about what we're doing. I can have credit. Think about the disciples. What, you know, when, when Jesus was arrested, right? We went through Passion Week, Holy Week this week, and Jesus was arrested out of the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And, and what happens when he's arrested? What, what do the disciples do? They run away scared. What is going to happen? This, he's supposed to be the king. He's, we're, we're supposed to conquer. Let's, we're in Jerusalem now. They ran away scared. Peter denied Jesus, right? Probably some others did too. They ran away and hid. And Jesus then was nailed to that cross, and he bled out in, in, in a place that he didn't deserve to be, but we did. He died in our place as a substitute. And he was taken off of that cross, and he was put in a grave, and it was silent. Oh, what that Saturday must have been like. Everything was silent. The apostles were all hiding out, cowering, wondering, what now? Our hope, our hope is gone. He's dead. But Sunday was coming. And Sunday morning, they came to the tomb, and what did they find? They found it empty. Because what Jesus said at the end of the, end of the cross was, it is finished. And when he rose from the dead, he folded up that linen and set it down saying, it is finished. I have done it all. I have done it all. There's nothing else that needs to be done. And when Jesus rose, things got real. He appeared to his disciples and he, and he appeared to many, over 500 people, that he was alive. And eventually he ascended to the Father after 40 days. And then he said, wait, the Spirit's coming. The Holy Spirit's going to come. And oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be amazing. And we see the uh, Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit uh, comes to the believers and, that, and that we have that access to the same Spirit that rose Him from the dead. And after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, those disciples who ran and hid, those disciples who cowered and denied Jesus in front of a junior high girl, went to their deaths because of Jesus Christ. Because they knew that in Christ was everything they could ever hope for or desire. They had found something that was so worth everything that they let go of everything they thought was value. And they went to their graves because they didn't mind ridicule. The power of a new creation does not mind persecution and ridicule for the sake of Jesus Christ. Jesus is worth living for and he is worth dying for because death doesn't sting the way it used to. Right? He has defeated death once and for all. Number two, the power of a new creation 
will boast in the cross of Christ alone. The power of a new creation, the power we have inside of us that is the power of the resurrection, will will make our boasting in Christ alone, in the cross of Christ alone. Look at verses 13 through 14a of Galatians 6. For even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves, so they're trying to, but they still can't do it, right? However, they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. So not only do they want to boast about what they've done, they want to boast about what they've had you do also. They're getting lots of brownie points. They're trying to, right? But it's all for nothing. He goes on. He says, but as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I will never boast about anything except for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says there's something worth boasting about, and it's not, it's not the flesh. It's not what I've accomplished. It's not what you can accomplish. It's all about what Jesus accomplished for us. Listen, Easter Sunday, right? Passion Week or Holy Week we just went through, right? The, uh, the cross and the resurrection, they are in the spotlight right now, aren't they? This is Easter Sunday. We're all in church worshiping because it's Easter Sunday. Did you, did you know this? That 2,000 years ago when Jesus died and, then, and rose from the grave, they were worshiping in their synagogues on Saturday. And then when Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday morning, guess what the church decided to do? The believers switched the day of worship to celebrate the resurrection every single week. And the reason we worship on Sunday is because we celebrate Easter every week, amen? The power of the gospel is true every single day of our lives. The power, is, the access there is, is in Christ alone. But he, he did it all for us. And we can boast in him and not in, not in something else. And listen, you, these things are in the spotlight and it's kind of fun and it's a holiday. and We, we come to church together, but, but you might have still come not, just because it was a spotlight event. You might have come to, come to please your mom, right? I know I've done that before. I'll go to church for Mother's Day. You'll probably be here again, right? Maybe you came to, to please your dad. Like, oh, my dad wants us to go to church. Let's go to church. Maybe your grandma or grandpa came. Like, oh, we'll go as a family together. It's Easter. Why not? That's what we do. That's what religious people do, right? I want to please somebody. Maybe you even came because, you know, I think Jesus, this would please Jesus if I came. It'll earn, it'll earn some credit with him. That's not boasting in the cross. Jesus Christ isn't a token machine that rewards you for playing the game. That is not what Jesus is about. We cannot come before the cross and say, I showed up, now can I earn it? We, we all, yeah, we were all there. We were all trying to earn it on our own, but we have to come to him with nothing because he is our everything. We are only a new creation because of him. He's the living God who deserves the spotlight and every boast we could possibly make should be about him. I want to read a quote to you out of a book from John Piper. I I think it really sets the perspective on this. We we tend to come and make these things and these spotlight events about us. Oh, I did good today. Aren't you proud of me? I did good today. I showed up today. My mom was happy with me today. Jesus must have been pleased with me today. And certainly I want to honor God and I want him to be pleased with with my obedience, but I I want him is what I want. And here's what John Piper says. We need to see first and foremost that God is God. That he is perfect and complete in himself. That he is overflowingly happy in the eternal fellowship of the Trinity. And that he does not need us to complete his fullness and is not deficient without us. But rather we are deficient without him. 
Unless we begin with God this way, when the gospel comes to us, we will inevitably put ourselves in the center of it. We, we will feel that our value, rather than God's value, is the driving force in the gospel. We will trace the gospel back to God's need for us, instead of tracing it back to the sovereign grace that rescues sinners in need of God. You see, when we come to worship, the attitude shouldn't be, man, God's going to have a good day today because all of his people showed up. The attitude should be that we come to worship because he alone deserves it all. And he has given us everything, and in him we live and move and find our being. It's in Christ alone that we have life. We come because he has given us life, and he is our everything. He is our everything. Philippians 3, 3 says um, that we boast in Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in the flesh. There's nothing that we can bring to add to Jesus. You'd be kidding yourself if you did that. Oh, God, God I want to add this to you. He is the God of the universe. He existed from eternity past to eternity future. He never needed you before today, but you needed him. And he saw that, and that's why in his great love and sovereignty and grace, he went to the cross to pay a penalty that you couldn't pay. And he rose from the grave to give you life that you couldn't earn ever. Amen? Amen. We boast in the cross of Christ alone. The Paul is saying that the cross is the only place to put our confidence and hope, and Jesus is the only one worthy of boasting about. Number three, the power of a new creation counts the world as a loss. We count the world as a loss. Look at the text here, the end of verse 14. We'll read all of verse 14 and 15. But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. See, the power of a new creation is what matters the most, right? And the power we get to have to be that new creation is through the power of the resurrection. And the power of the new creation gives us this ability to count the world as loss. What matters is new creation. Everything else should be dead to us. You know, people say that sometimes, right, in, in laughing and joking. And some, the world uses it seriously. They, they're bitter against somebody. They're angry against someone. They say, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. I, in a sense, they're throwing them aside. You're dead to me. I'm done with you, right? That's what the world would say. But what Jesus is saying, we need to say that about everything we bring in front of him. We count it all lost. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter at all what we bring to Jesus. The law and the rules cannot add anything to Jesus. They're dead to me. I cannot add any morality or any greatness or goodness or a good thing to Jesus. I am dead to me. I've crucified myself, right? I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. And the world and what it offers can add nothing to the supremacy and fullness of Jesus Christ. It should be dead to us. What is living to us is Jesus Christ, who has risen from the grave by the power of the Spirit of God. There's nothing we can add to Jesus. I want you to turn your Bibles to Philippians. Just, it's a couple pages beyond Galatians. 
Galatians, Ephesians, then Philippians. Chapter 3. I want to read this text together. Uh, we're starting in verse 7, and we'll go through verse 10. I want, you to see, I want you to see the attitude that Paul had regarding everything that was counted as worth in his life. And like I said, Paul was an expert of Judaism. He was an expert Jew. He followed every law. He was strict in every sense. He was zealous in every sense. He would consider himself blameless in every sense. He was good at what he was doing. He was good at looking at the part. Most of, us, most of us aren't that good at it, right? Some of you are good at it. Some, some of us can come in and like, oh, I, I'm, I can look the part. I can, I can talk the talk, right? I can even maybe walk the walk a little bit, but there's nothing in here going on. Paul, Paul knows that life. He knew what that was about. And here's what he says in Philippians 3, verses 7 through 10. He says, but everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth, filth so that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Here's, here's the key. He wants, to, he wants to be found in Christ. He wants to consider everything filth, rubbish. And he says, to, in order to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul said everything that I held on to, everything that I, I wanted to hold on to, I consider it lost. Every perfection that I thought was great and earning credit with God meant nothing. He says in the text here, circumcision or, or uncircumcision matters nothing. What matters is the new creation. I want to get rid of the world and, its, and what it offers. I want to get rid of what I bring to try to add to Jesus. We can't add anything to Jesus. Do you understand that? We've talked about this several times through this series, and maybe you haven't been here for this. But here's the idea, the premise of this. We, we come to Jesus, and we, we're, we're instructed, come as you are to Jesus. And we, we need to come as we are. Come as we are, wrecked and ruined and sinful and knowing that we are so far from God that we can't do anything to earn it. But we come to Jesus wrecked. We come to Jesus burdened. We come to Jesus absolutely empty because nothing will get us there on our own. Nothing that we have done or have to offer will ever measure up. Jesus looks at it and says, really? You think that's going to, really? That's what did it. That's what accomplished what we could not accomplish. And, and he didn't stay dead, amen? He came off the grave, out of the grave, and he got up. He said, I'm awake, I'm up, I'm alive. I was dead, but death can't hold me. I'm now alive, and if, if I'm alive, you can be alive too. But it's only being found in him with a righteousness that is not of our own. Listen, we have to. If you're, if you're a believer in Christ, we have to continue letting go of these notions and ideas and thoughts that we want to take with us with G, to Jesus. Say, hey, God, here's my, here's my idea. I want to keep this with us when we have our little fellowship time. No, he's like, no, you've got to empty yourself. See, the whole idea of renewing ourselves in Christ is to let go of every thought, every notion, and let it be filled back in with things that God puts there. God needs to be our everything. Now, if you're a believer in Christ, that gets hard, right? And that's part of the living by the Spirit of God and letting Him grow in us a fruit 
right? And we, we yield to that spirit and treasure Christ above all things. If you're not a believer in Christ and you're here today, that, that's okay. I'm glad you're here. God is helping you understand the truth that you cannot come to him with anything. You have nothing to offer him. There's nothing he needs from you. He didn't need you before you were born. He certainly doesn't need you now. What you need is him. And you need all of him. And the scripture says the idea of the heart of repentance is turning from my selfishness, turning from my ego, my own pride, turning from my own sinful desires. And when I approach Jesus, I approach him absolutely bare and empty. And, and what, it, what it longs in us, what it gives us is a hunger pain. Anyone have a hunger pain before? Right? Not very often. Right? No, right? But, but you, know what, you know what it's like to be hungry. You skip breakfast, like, I'm kind of hungry. I, I got to wait till 1230 for lunch? Shoot. I get it, right? But the, the hunger we're talking about in Scripture is a hunger that comes from the soul. See, there, is, there are hunger pains that can never, ever be filled inside of our soul, except with Jesus. So when you and I come to Him and, and get down before Him, totally empty, not bringing any of our garbage with us, any of our ideas with us, any of our, our notions that, yeah, we need to, Jesus, you need to bring this. It's a deal breaker. If I can't come with this, He's like, oh, okay. What? He says, get rid of it. Come before me absolutely empty so that you are so hungry and so thirsty because when you come to him hungering and thirsty from the emptiness of your soul, guess what he does? He fills you up. He fills you up and that's the grace of God. He gives you a, a, a filling, a fulfillment, a, a, a forgiveness that can only come from him. And a righteousness that can only come from him. See, when he died on that cross, the reason he got up is because he was perfect. If you and I died on that cross, we wouldn't get up because we are not perfect. We deserve to die. But God said, there's a way, I'm making a way, and it's me. And there's a righteousness that he offers. A perfection and forgiveness that he offers that you and I cannot accomplish on our own. We have to believe the gospel. And not in a warm and fuzzy way that, oh, it feels so good, I want to cuddle up with the gospel. In a way that that is the only place that will satisfy the depths of my soul. The longings of my weary heart can only be filled with Jesus Christ. Amen? So we count the world as a loss to us. So if you're, if you're here and you're a believer, stop, stop playing in the world. Stop trying to, trying to go play, play with both teams. Jesus is like, I filled you. I've given you forgiveness. I've given you grace. Just now live by my spirit. Live in love with me and the treasure that I am to you because you still need me. And if you're not a believer today, God says, believe the gospel. Today is the day of salvation. Believe the gospel. Turn your heart empty to him. Forsake yourself and say, God, I need to hung I'm hungry and thirsting for you to fill me up with your righteousness, your perfection, your forgiveness. He says he promised to do that. He says, as far as the east is from the west, he'll remove your sins from you. Although your sins were as scarlet, he'll make them white as snow. I love, I love this one in Scripture. It says he's going to bury your sins on the bottom of the ocean floor. It's kind of, kind of interesting, right? Because to us who are scientific, like, that's calculable. Like, east, if, as far as the east is from the west, that goes on forever. But, but the bottom of the ocean floor is a certain depth. And it, it, are they still there? But understanding the premise of that, my daughter gets that, right? We'll, we'll have prayer time at night, and we'll, we'll talk and pray and read Bible. And, and then when I'm leaving, I say, I love you, Bailey. 
And she said, I love you, Daddy, and I, I love you to the moon. She said, I love you to the moon and back, and we'll go back and forth, and she, she wants to love me farther, right? She's like, I, she'll, she'll be like, I love you to heaven. Like, I, love, I love you to Jesus. Right? She's like, I love you to heaven and Jesus and back. And then one of the last ones she'll use is, I love you to the bottom of the ocean, right? You get the depth of that? Like, she does. We think it's calculable, but it is really incalculable. And when God says your sins are buried at the bottom of the ocean floor, he doesn't mean it's to be calculated, and that's where they are. If you get down there, you're going to find them again. He says, they are gone. That's how much I love you. If you would just empty yourself of you and let me fill you up, they would be buried. They would be buried. Count the world as a loss compared to knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord. Number four, finally, the final place, the power of a new creation finds peace resting in grace. The power of a new creation finds peace as we rest in grace. Verses 6 through 18, the final part of the chapter back in Galatians. 16 through 18. May peace be on all of those who follow this standard. Now, Paul's not saying, here's the new standard, here's the new rules, you got to follow these rules. He was adamantly against that. The standard is live in love with the treasure that's Jesus. Follow and and keep in step with the Spirit as He leads and guides you. That's what he's saying is, may peace be on those who do that. And mercy also be on the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble because I carry the marks of Jesus on my body. He's saying, there is no trouble I could find. I have so much rest and peace. You You can keep whipping me, beating me, spitting on me. No one's going to cause me trouble. I have I have peace because of Christ. And finally, he says, "Brothers, in the grace of our Lord Jesus, or the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, be with your spirit." Amen. You see, there's this grace and peace that needs to happen and does happen when we rest in the power of the resurrection and, and we become a new creation because of that power. Dependence on the flesh and on our own ability to live up to the standards of the law will never lead to peace in our souls. And I want you to think about that today. Some of you are here longing for peace. Longing. Longing for hope. Longing for a a reprieve. And Jesus is offering that through his grace to you today and every day. He says, take all that I am, all that I've done for you, and let's apply it to your heart. Believe the gospel. Come empty, and I'll fill you up. And that grace, that undeserved gift that I'm going to give you, that you can never earn on your own, that undeserved gift will, will give you the most peace you've ever had in your life. And the rest you've, you've only ever been longing for because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And if we keep trying to earn it, Paul says, the cross of Christ meant nothing then. If you want to keep working on it and keep earning it yourself, go for it. There's no reason to come back here and have to try to worship Jesus who didn't really matter. Do it on your own, right? Jesus says you can't do it on your own, and that matters the most. He says Jesus plus nothing is everything, that he is our everything. And and he ends the book the same way he started the book, with grace and with peace, because he knows because of the grace of God, the undeserved gift of God in Jesus Christ, you and I can know a peace like we have never known before. Praise God for the power of the resurrection. Happy Easter. Let's stand and pray together.
Father, we thank you so much for the grace that you have given us. And God, you've offered that grace so freely to, so, to, to all of us, God. But, but God, I know there are some here who are, are resisting that grace or resisting that, that gift that you're wanting to give them. I know some here want to earn, earn it on their own. They want, to, they want to bring to you something and add something to you because they feel you're insufficient. God, I pray today that they would see who you truly are through the power of your resurrection. I pray today that, that hearts would embrace grace fully from an empty soul, hungering and thirsting for a righteousness that only comes from Christ. Fill them today as they believe in you with the power of your spirit. And God, as we respond, God, may our hearts be focused on you. May our worship of you be because you are worthy and because you have added everything to us. You have given us everything. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we worship, as we respond to God, it's our opportunity to respond. And some of you maybe today for the first time have heard this message, understanding the depth and the distance you are from God and how in need your soul is for him. And I, I pray that you have understood that in a way that you've been able to empty your heart and say, listen, I, I've got to empty me of me, and I want to come before him empty, and I want to believe the gospel. And I, I, I rejoice if you've done that today, if you believed in Jesus. For the rest of us who have done that already, we, we rejoice. Not adding something to Jesus, but giving him the praise that he is due because he has given us everything. And he alone is worthy of our praise. As we respond, I'll be up front as I always am. If you'd like to pray or rejoice because if you believe the gospel, come, come down let me know. That'd be great. Maybe you need to pray with somebody next to you. That's fine. But maybe we just need to, to focus on, on what God's teaching us through the song and worship him in spirit and in truth. Whatever, whatever God is leading you to do, however he's re- leading you to respond, you ought to do that now. Let's sing. You called me from the grave by name. You called me out of all my shame. I see the old has passed away. The new Jesus, you have given us freedom, no longer bound by sin and darkness, you have given us freedom, you have given us freedom, I'm dressed in your royalty, your Holy Spirit lives in I see the past has been redeemed, the new has come. Now I have resurrection power, living on the inside, Jesus, you have given us freedom, no longer bound by sin and darkness, living in the light of your goodness. You have given us freedom, some freedom, freedom. You have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. My chains are gone. Freedom. You have given us freedom. You 
have given us freedom. Hallelujah. Freedom. You have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. My chains are gone. Freedom. You have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. Hallelujah. Now I have resurrection power living on the inside, Jesus. You have given us freedom. No longer bound by sin and darkness. Living in the light of your goodness. You have given us freedom. Now I have resurrection power living on the inside jesus you have given us freedom no longer bound by sin and darkness living in the light of your goodness you have given us freedom freedom amen amen we are free indeed, amen? amen? He has given us freedom. It's not because of anything we could do ever. It's all what he has accomplished through the cross and through the resurrection. And there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. I hope you have a blessed Easter with your family, with your friends, even by yourself with your Lord. It's all about Jesus, whatever you do. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful again for you and your grace. We're grateful for, for offering yourself fully to us that we can have everything because of Christ. God, help us to empty ourselves every day in every way that we can come to be filled by you and the power of your spirit to live a life that looks like Jesus and is conformed to the image of the Son that would point people to him. We praise you. We thank you for rising victoriously, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.